This is your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story is uniquely tailored to the interests of us and our viewers, listeners, I should say. We have breaking news. It is the closing of a door, the opening of another door. Saturday will be the last Monica Perez show on WSB Radio. Oh. How you taking it, Binkley? I better keep my thoughts to myself until after that show <laughs> oh. occurs. Oh, I see. Yes, we are definitely going to speculate on why the axe fell. But it was, I mean, I'm, I, I was more shocked that I was on <laughs> mainstream media, on the radio, than that I'm being taken off it. But yes, Not on can, borrowed time for a while. I think so. Yeah. And I really just stopped like pulling my punches. So I'm trying to see. I don't think they posted my last show, which I think I remember after I did that show last Saturday, I was like, I think I might have gone too far. That's what you said immediately. It is. It is what I said. Now, I'm not saying that really like they have new ownership and they whatever. I know I'm a pretty expensive time slot to just. You know, a lot of times they sell that stuff. I don't know what happened or how it's going to shake out. I really have hardly had time to kind of process it. Maybe we'll do a little recon and see what we can come up with and talk about it next week. But there'll be a brand new financial show to go in that spot. I wonder. I mean, that that would make that would just be like the simple. It makes sense to like have an expensive commercial product in that Which everybody loves expensive well but they just it makes the radio station a lot more money because the like a financial show will pay radio station pays me they don't pay me a lot but they paid me they could save that and sell that spot to a financial person who then sells ads on his show for a lot it's just a much it's a more lucrative market on the kind of short-term Time frame. I really don't know. I'm not ready to speculate. I do want to like kind of do a little research. I'm ready to speculate. But I we know. Just, yet. just wait because they did the courtesy. They've so WSB was taken over by new owners, and my guy, the guy who put me on, the guy who coached me, taught me everything I know, and was always like, "Hey, man, as long as you can say whatever you think, and you can say whatever you know, just make sure you tell people which one is which." You know, and I was always really confident. I always had my back. He's he's retiring. So I don't, I don't know what, I, you know, I wasn't surprised that there was going to be a changing of the guard and maybe a different approach. I really do not know, but they have, that, that gang, my producer there and executive producer and program director, everybody's always been awesome to me. It's been a great experience and they're on the way out. My guy said, hey, do your last show. And, you know, that you can do what you want with it. You can kind of tell people what's happening and how they can find you on your podcast and everything. So I'm, I'm excited about that. It's definitely the high road. And uh, one of my executive producer there offered to collect phone messages to play on this last show. So I was going to announce it on the air on WSB on Saturday, but instead I'm going to announce it now on the podcast and that way I can give you the phone number. And if you want to say a goodbye, say a farewell, say something nice about the show that we can kind of use to drive people to continue to listen to us, uh, this is how to do it. Call 404-897-7489. 
I'll say it again at the end, but it's 404-897-7489, or you can go to the open mic feature on the WSB radio app, and you can leave a message there. And my guy Shane will just collect all that stuff and uh, put it together so we can play some of that on the air on Saturday, which I think is nice. But if you want to do it, you should do it by like, say, 2 o'clock Eastern Friday so he has time to pull it all together. Uh, so I have to say, it was it was really, uh, it was an, an intense experience that had actually nothing to do with my natural tendencies. I'm not a performer. I like to build spreadsheets. I really get a thrill out of like sitting in a cubicle and doing math. So Exciting. it was definitely a great way. I literally get excited about it. Like my, I'm like, oh my gosh, I cracked the code. My, you know, my NPV is right. My cash flows work, you know? So this was outside my comfort zone and I've really, yeah, I've made, it's been good. And the, but I really, the podcast is what I love. I can say what I want and you know, you don't have to battle the clock and all that. I will miss having live callers, people from all walks of life, kind of across generations, across races, that Atlanta is such a diverse place that I go out on the radio, they call in and you're surprised when you hear a sampling of different demographics that's different from what the talking heads tell you people think and believe. It was really a great way to get, to kind of break through all the stereotypes that are pushed on us from the media and the politicians and stuff. And I will also miss getting a paycheck. It wasn't a lot, but it kind of helped subsidize being able to take the time to read a lot and have my kind of pay for my babysitters and stuff. So we might we might have to try to replace both of those features in the podcast. Maybe we'll try to, first of all, we're going to probably have to pay a little more attention to monetizing. You mean we're going to have to try and make some money? <laughs> I think so. I hate to say it, but if I want to continue to get like the four hour a day hall pass of not doing anything else that I'm supposed to be doing, getting other people to do it, I think I'm going to have to start paying my own way here. But uh, I also am hoping that we can use the extra time at Freeze Up because I really put a lot of time and effort into that show to do maybe start doing videos, kind of uh, launch, see if we can get back into YouTube without getting taken down and uh, maybe do something where we can do live stuff, where we can have people call in, where we can actually have interaction like that so we don't lose that. That was really, I think, the the unique feature that I really liked about it. Plus, it was a push, not a pull. So like with podcasting, people pull you into their world. On WSB, they were listening for traffic and stuff, and I would be like, uh, the coronavirus is a live simulation. <laughs> I don't know if it's a live simulation, but it certainly resembles one. Yes, and that, it does. That, uh, it's amazing, you know, I guess that's the end of that. <laughs> I'm not surprised somehow. So the show is dead, but long live the podcast. Yes, and thank you. I learned a lot, and I enjoyed being a part of it. Thank you for having me be a part oh, of it. Oh, it was a pleasure. Yeah. yeah, so that was super fun. We'll see how the last show turns out. Hopefully people don't do the pop-in. That, that could be a little disruptive for a half-hour show. It's on from <laughs> 5 to 5.30 on Saturday. And as luck would have it, our lovely and talented webmaster had just, I think this week, put up an emergency email plan on thepropreport.com. Yeah, emergency like, email plan. You yeah, I don't know right how now. long. <laughs> I don't know when, how long it'll be till your next deplatforming, Monica, but we really. <laughs> 
and I can get it because like I always, as soon as I get a good hairdresser, I'm like, okay, what's your actual phone number? Because if you quit, I need to be able to find I'm you. I'm only giving this to you. Don't tell anyone else. <laughs> Anyway, so that's what we're doing is that if you go to thepropreport.com, there's a big welcome banner. And then underneath that is emergency email backup. So if you leave your email, we'll try to, I think as a courtesy, I mean, unless it's a burden, but I don't think so. Just once a week, put out a newsletter, a kind of like we're still here mailing with all our podcasts in it. Yes, we Just will so, not spam your inbox. No, promise. no spam. I wouldn't give it away or anything. I almost feel like if someone gives you their email, they kind of like want to be kind of informed when yeah. your shows are up, whatever. Especially if we do like a propaganda report, something we don't do every day. So if or you a give giveaway. us your email. Oh, we have to start doing merch. Yeah. I, we have such a great logo. Compliments also of the same lovely and talented webmaster. All right. So see now... A door closes and another door opens. And, and coronavirus flies right in your face when that door opens. I have to say, before we get to coronavirus, as like bad as I felt about getting the news about the Monica Perez show, I felt equally excited that today I became a meme. Congratulations. Yeah. I saw the meme. <laughs> I loved it. What's it say on the caption? It says, uh, I believe it says, it's a picture of me with a face that really looks like it's saying that. Um, that's cute, honey. And and the, what, what Alex, who created it, says, that feeling when some conspiracy virgin stumbled upon a moon landing hoax video on YouTube and unloads on you... A veteran lizard people connoisseur. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute, honey. So I don't know. He might have lost me at lizard people, but That's I get it. Got it me, works. Right? There's lizard people. I know, but it's perfect. I really, really love it. Made my day. Thank you very much. And it's being uh, it's being loved universally. So I hope anyway, it become, keep, I hope it goes viral. That would be great. I hope there's viral, spread. Oh yeah, community spread. Nice, nice. Okay, go for it. Community Segway, spread baby. is the new term. <laughs> well, it's not new, but it's the term they're making popular now, saying the first case in the United States that is in no way connected to China has arrived, and that's apparently really scary, and they're calling it community spread because it just emerged naturally within someone who didn't go on the plane or didn't go to Wuhan, so I guess that means we're all in jeopardy, as I think We all takeaway. might get a cold. We I mean, all the might flu. Get a cold. I mean, whatever. <laughs> we all might get the sniffles. The thing about this is anybody sniffles, anybody coughs, everybody's paranoid now. So now you don't want to cough because you're afraid everybody's going to look at you and think you got the coronavirus and you're going to be hauled off to a quarantine center. What's absolutely crazy is that you can go to the doctor with a cold or flu or pneumonia of absolutely unknown origin, and he can say, based on checking a few boxes, that you have the novel coronavirus. I mean, if that doesn't spread the the panic about this and that's that's what i'm seeing the entire front page of the wall street journal for the second or third day in a row almost every single story is about coronavirus and it to me is a, yet another sign of the complete pathocracy that our government does not work for us the problem with the coronavirus is the panic 
So when you say, look, the coronavirus caused a massive crash in the stock market, just take a step back. The coronavirus did not infect the stock market. Panic infected the stock market. The stock market is very old. It's very vulnerable to the coronavirus. Yes, it, the stock market does have pneumonia. We are getting a lab test. Actually, we're going to go into clinical trials for the Dow Corona strain. I'll tell you what's really going to make the coronavirus a threat or where it's really going to do the most damage, and that is in hospitals, in emergency rooms specifically, in ICU yes. specifically, because pneumonia is pneumonia spreads in those areas it contaminates it and people die the pneumonia that you get in the emergency room is often worse than regular pneumonia they call it hospital originated pneumonia yeah i think of that like i don't want to go to the hospital because you can get so sick there right and that's where everybody is going my mother 91 she was so sick recently she was so so sick and other people were trying to get her to go to the hospital i said absolutely not she doesn't want to go she's right she will never come back yeah (laughs) she did it and because People are going to be dri- driven to madness. A sniffle is the, the coronavirus. People are going to be going to the hospital in droves, which is going to make it more likely that more people get pneumonia because of the panic. And for a virus, for cold or flu, you they can't really do anything for you. So unless you actually need clinical intervention like IV... I mean, or antibiotics, but it's not a ba- bacterial thing. If you need IV fluids... Then yes, then you then then you need to go to the hospital. But if you aren't dehydrated, if you don't have that fever, you know all the things that make you go to the hospital for the clinical intervention. Yes, do that. But if you're just fighting a virus straight up, just like you normally would, it is. I I bet that you are at a higher risk. I mean, do your own research, but that you that they that they cannot help you because they can't help a virus. But there is risk in being around all those sick people. Yeah, and if it is more transmissible, like they say it is, or they're, they're yeah, I'm anticipating yeah. they're going to say, it's, say it it's more transmissible, whether it actually is or not. They I don't have know. to say it's more transmissible because otherwise it wouldn't be, it couldn't rise to this level of pain. If it's the same yeah. transmissibility and the same fatality rate, then why are we even talking about it, right? Right. So they have to be saying that. But also it takes away all the resources from every other kind of illness. Yes, and it makes healthcare workers, it puts them in jeopardy, and they become carriers of it from one patient to another. And, and I overworked. think that's what happened in China. Overworked, yeah. The healthcare workers got sick in China. And that'll ruin your immunities. Right. Yeah. So it could very well turn into something worse by the way it's being handled. Absolutely. In the panic. Which was the point of Event 201. That was the point. That was the point. They said... People will overreact and not be able to handle it by being bad actors or good actors or whatever. And what we need is a big plan. Can I read you a paragraph off of the front page of the Wall Street Journal today that absolutely echoes exactly what Event 201 was saying in that regard? Let's hear it. You ready? All right. It says, uh, Beijing pressed on virus controls. Beijing, deepening economic damage from China's coronavirus epidemic is forcing its leadership to confront an agonizing decision. I mean, that was straight out of Event 201, straight. Okay, when to ease quarantine restrictions that are strangling growth, even as they help contain the virus's spread. Event 201 was all about making sure economic growth was not slowed down or unnecessarily stilted, stunted from 
from the decisions that were being made. I mean, this is, this is, I can't, this looks just like the live simulation. It goes on to say, business executives and some local leaders are becoming more vocal about the need to streamline rules to reopen factories and get workers and supplies moving again in many parts of the country where activity remains at a standstill. Straight out of event 201. Getting business leaders to urge the government to streamline rules. I mean, that is, if you guys haven't heard it yet, we did, I'm, I think it's most people have heard this, but we did a couple of days ago, a special report on the coronavirus event 201. If you go back and listen to that now, it was just, I think from two days ago on the propreport.com or the propaganda report feed on your podcast platforms then you'll hear all of this stuff. I timestamped it February 24th. So you could see it was unrolling after. And I mean, this, I'm sure you, I, I, that was just the first article I read. Yeah. This is looking more and more like an exercise by the day. Enough, like that exercise. Yeah. Contact tracing. Have you heard this other new term they put no, into the lexicon? Uh -uh. I was reading about this and I was like, this seems exactly like a, a trial where they're testing people and training people in live action. This is California officials are tracing the person who is the first person that got sick it, that isn't connected to the community spread right. originated in San Francisco, obviously. <laughs> That's just, and, that word is too suggestive. Yeah. And they're tracing <laughs> everybody he interacted with. So that's called contact tracing. So they, they have officials go around and they go through all his, his interactions. They look at whatever data they have about him. What this is, look, think about all the data they're collecting about this guy and his patterns of behavior. And there are six degrees of separation almost. Tracking him to this person, to that person, to this person, to that person, to this person, just to see where this virus might have traveled in a certain period of time. I mean, to me, this is a, a mass surveillance live yeah, action test. Everybody is getting an FBI background check yeah and how how are they doing it is it digital does it say i think it's both i think it's online and offline they're merging the smart world with the analog because, world yeah i feel like they are gonna have to say look we can't we can't do this backwards right we can't do this backwards you have to just get an rfit or whatever like you have to just be traceable all the time yes and that they talked obamacare about, was about information they yes they talked about smart cities being the savior from coronavirus because of all the data and because you can see cameras everywhere and because everybody's afraid people will give up their rights and liberties when they fear a deadly pandemic is coming they just want okay whatever you need to do to save us here's all the information here's where i've been here's all the people i've been in contact with people will out their family members because they're afraid of something in circumstances like this and i i mean this just think about all the data they're collecting willingly right now from anyone who even has a cough yeah. Oh, yeah. Willingly, for sure. Yeah. And then when people don't do it willingly, they're demonized and then they're ruining it for everyone. Libertarians. There's I, I have to say the Ebola thing featured self-proclaimed libertarians being complete a-holes because not not everybody will cooperate. Yes. And I think it's the opposite. Libertarians are the ones who want to do the right thing. We're called voluntarists, you yeah. know, like we want to do the right thing because it's in our interest because we're rational. Yeah. We're not arbitrarily like dicks. You can't, you know, I don't know, maybe. I don't so, <laughs> while it does seem more like a flu-like thing to me as well, and that's what the doctor I spoke with yesterday, that's what he believes, I'm starting to kind of, there is a little bit of creeping concern in my mind 
because of this dialectic that's playing out, which is it's a bit odd yeah. at first. The dialectic where Trump is very much like, it's just like the flu. It's nothing. It's fine. Yet the CDC is like, it's definitely inevitable and it's going to spread around the country. Trump is, it's not inevitable. The CDC is wrong. And Pelosi and Schumer are going, he only gave uh, 400 million or whatever. He needs to give more. He's 1. not taking it seriously. 1.8 billion. Is that what it was? <laughs> yes, so, 1.8 billion with a possibility of going up like 20% or 25% increase. So Trump's blaming the media and the left for the outrage, it's saying enough. it's not. There shouldn't be any outrage. We're all going to be fine. And the left is blaming Trump for the coronavirus. They actually called it the Trump virus in the New York Times, which is really pretty absurd. Oh the Trump gosh. virus. But the concern to me is this constant downplaying of it. We pointed out the downplaying of it from day one. How even though there was outrage, there was also people saying, there's a really small chance you're going to get it. Trump's going, that's fine. You're probably not going to well, die. That like, was that's part of the thing is that we didn't take it seriously enough. And that's why it surges. There's I'm also the concern now. in my mind, whereas if it was, oh, they might really do if it, it was but... really something that was bad. Yeah. And they don't want people to panic. Then you're going to downplay it. They talk about this in the propaganda literature. When you don't want the public to focus on something, when you don't want it to get concerned and up in a whirlwind, then you say, no, 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 it's just fine. You've only been shot a few times. But everybody's, I think everybody's on this page. I don't think anybody isn't. And I, I will say, I wouldn't worry about it at all. Like nothing could convince me that it could really get that crazy because we're just good at fighting viruses. Those pandemics in the past were a function of other factors, were a function of nutrition and sanitation and uh, iatrogenic disease, like where the treatment made it worse, stuff like that. Yeah. And then, of course, there's always the bacterial infections, which are the things that really kill people. But we have antibiotics, which is great, except for what you said. What? About the gain of function uh-huh. stuff. If they're actually trying to make super viruses in a lab. But that's the concern, yeah. That, I, I know they play off that. They they demonize conspiracy theories even when they're true. Right. So I, I can't really say that. They try and make bioweapons. That's they're true. They're not going to do it. Yeah, they do. I mean, Lyme disease supposedly, and this is something weird. So Lyme disease supposedly escaped from a bioweapons lab in Connecticut. No, I, somebody called into my show once freaking out about it. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Last year, the Congress started an inquiry into that question. It was so strange to me, but I wonder if it was foreshadowing to get out into the world. Yes, bioweapons do escape. And so they take yeah. a conspiracy theory that is probably true and they exploit it. So it doesn't even matter to them if the conspiracy theory is true or false. They're like, they could actually give it gain of function, release it into the world, and then tell people about it and punish people for believing it. Yeah, and I think that anything that is a real major catastrophe like this, if this were to be something that was bad, I don't think we're going to find out about it until it's already like really bad. I think that they would wait to try and quell public panic. I'm not saying that th- that is going on right now. I'm saying that that has creeped into my mind because of the way Trump is downplaying it and because of yeah. the way others have downplayed it. And also because 
of genetic engineering and the technological capabilities that we've developed, especially in China that doesn't have any regulations on genetic engineering. We already know that a genetically engineered super mosquito has been created by the Gates Foundation and released out into Africa in an attempt to eradicate the mosquito species that had malaria. They created a super mosquito. So it seems theoretically possible to create a super (laughs) genetically engineered virus. I'm, I'm not saying this, that's what it is. I'm saying that thought yeah. has creeped into my mind. I'm reading this really fascinating book called Inventing the AIDS Virus by Peter Duesberg. And it was introduced by a Nobel laureate. Like, it, this guy's legit. He's been demonized. I looked into his bio and it starts out with like, well, uh, he lived in Germany during the Nazi years. So, you know, draw your own conclusion on whether or not he's a Nazi, paren, yes. <laughs> or something like, you know, ridiculous. And he's not. He's a Berkeley professor. Yeah. So... But I'm reading it, and he goes into this thing, a retrovirus, very rare to have a retrovirus. And what it means is the virus gets in, normally a virus gets into your cell and kills it. This gets into your cell and deposits a little piece of, of its RNA into your DNA and screws up how your cell works. So if you ever heard a virus causes cancer, if anyone ever did, and he's saying basically they don't, it might be... The very rare case where a, um, a vulnerable host can be vulnerable to this like weird genetic change. So if I wouldn't put it past them to be able to invent something like that. Yeah. But whether it's big or not, wh- whatever the truth is, I think it's whatever the truth is, is totally disconnected from what they're. Oh, yeah putting in the newspaper like totally disconnected yeah there's no reason to think we know their answers here right and trump did not rule out locking down cities during the press conference he didn't say he would but he said all options are on the table and if there is fear if there is panic and mike pence is leading the way as the perfect not not he's not the czar but he is playing that role and yeah, soon to be crowned Corona czar. The, yeah. And, and that was a big controversy. How dare you put Mike Pence, who's not a scientist. He's anti-science in charge of the coronavirus. How dare you? He's <laughs> he's a Christian. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's I know literally that the arguments that are being made about this. <laughs> you put a Christian person who hates science. <laughs> you want us all to die. Well, Warren called a, you know, her pregnancy a baby. They're all going upside down. I know. They're, yeah. Right? Isn't that their science? What what is what? I don't know. So we have another interesting story, unless you have more on the coronavirus. I know we, I think we can go a little longer today. Yeah, Uh, no, it's totally fine. I don't have anything on the, I mean, whatever, the coronavirus thing. I think the fear is being amped up. (laughs) We've got a year to cover that. If you thought maybe that the coronavirus story was going to die down, there's been community spread on the story. And it is going to come back for more, apparently. But, Lori Laughlin was in the news yesterday. Lachlan. Lachlan, you're right. Sorry, Lori it drives me crazy. Lachlan was in the news Lori today. Everything Lachlan. I learned on how to read when I'm a kid, and I, I see her spelling, <laughs> and I, it's wrong. I've been betrayed by my education. Yeah, but this is one of the many, many things I learned in radio. You, if you're going to say somebody's name, you better hear them say it before. Lori Lachlan was in the news yesterday exactly. because her lawyers are now claiming that the prosecution was withholding evidence that exonerates her evidence which is letters written by singer 
who is at the center of the controversy. Singer is he's the, the guy. He's the con man. Yeah, yeah, he's the con man who helped everybody, who allegedly helped everybody bribe their kids' way into the school. And we read the transcripts month, almost a year ago at this point on one of our shows. I believe it was a WSB show. And yes. it seemed pretty obvious to both of us that on the phone calls that he was he had been set up he was setting them up to try and bait Lachlan and others into saying something that made it made them seem guilty and it seemed very much like they thought they were doing something in earnest they thought they were paying a donation that was legitimate to the school and now fast forward almost a year they're withholding letters written by Singer where he claims that he was forced by the FBI to say that he told them that they were involved in a bribe and that they were okay with it when in reality he told them that the money was going to the university and they, they thought it was going to the university. They did not think it was going to the coach of the rowing team and that the donation was legitimate. And he allegedly these letters he documents – all these instances of the FBI threatening and bullying him and yelling at him and forcing him to basically try and set Lori Lachlan and others up. And I think one of the things that said in there was that they were telling him what to say on the phone calls. Yeah. Did you say that? Yeah. Okay. Because when we were reading, so the FBI put out an affidavit. It was like 200 something pages. And Binkley, you said to me when this thing was coming down that day, you said, oh, Lori Lachlan, she's this uh, like Christian conservative. And I said, oh, well, maybe they're just targeting her yep. because of that. So I looked at her case specifically. So there's maybe 100 people in there or 50 people or whatever. And I looked at her case specifically. So I, we really scrutinized it. We read the FBI affidavit and it was from the FBI affidavit itself, the document that was used to charge her. It seemed clear to me that Singer and those guys were afraid that that Lori and her husband were going to find out about their scam. It looked to me like what Rick Singer, that clearly the phone calls that were being described were phone calls that were set up after Rick Singer started cooperating that were designed to say certain things and entrap people. And my conclusion was based purely on the FBI affidavit that, Lori Lachlan and her husband, who were tight with the athletic director of USC and were willing to give a million dollars directly to USC, if I'm not mistaken, they gave instead $500,000 to Rick Singer's foundation. And, and it was clear to me they believed that it was a charitable contribution. And the thing okay, about so that's the, what fake I was yeah. the fake application, the fake application, the picture. So they were saying, oh, she's supposed to be on the rowing team. She's 100 pounds, that kid. I was on the rowing team. I'm not. And everybody pounds. misrepresented the rowing thing as though it's crazy for someone who's never done rowing to be on a rowing team. How many of you right. did rowing in high school? How many are I aware of a rowing program that was in high school? There's like none of them. There's hardly any of them in the country. Right. So they need recruits and they go and actively seek people to fit these roles. You did it. You told us that you were right. on the rowing team. I, I dropped out of high school, went to community college, transferred to Harvard as a junior, and because I was too stupid to realize like how hard everything was there, I just did stuff. I like started taking Japanese, you know, I was like, and I walked onto the rowing team and the coach was, was, was coaching the Seoul Olympics at the time. So I had the assistant coach and she was just like, sure, whatever, come on. Even though I was terrible. And when the real coach came back, she was like, okay, you're definitely in the sea boat, whatever. But I, I'm like a, I, I'm, above average in height and build. 
And I was by far the smallest person. And the only people who were teeny tiny like that chick are coxswains who call the shots on the boat. And those people are absolutely recruited because of their size. And that's what school. she was. You just teach them how to yell. Yeah. Stroke, stroke. You know, you have to have a beat, but you don't, it's not a rigorous thing like that. So I figured it was totally, if they told her to be a coxswain, she could have been, and it wouldn't have mattered. But then it came out that, that there was a fraudulent application like that, but they told Lachlan, or this was a claim, I'm not sure it was documented, but they told Lachlan to send an action shot of the girl on an erg so they can see that she's active. And then they filled out the fraudulent application. Lachlan didn't even know there was a fraudulent application out there. Yeah, she was doing what she thought was a legitimate process to getting her daughter. Right, and they were worried she was going to figure it out. That was clear from the FBI transcripts. It was really crazy. Yeah, we They talk- were worried the parents would find out and start making noise. That's what it said. Right, and, and this is exactly, I mean, this shows what they're willing to do if this turns out to be true. And for the lawyers to make the claims that they're making, I don't see how it can't be true because they give specific quotes that Singer says in his notes that one of them actually one of the one of Singer's own notes talks about how the government's desired to nail one of the defendants at all cost. And he also wow. talks about how they they continue to ask me to fib and to not restate what I really told my clients as to where their money was going. I mean, wow. it's damning evidence. I, and the lawyer, Lori Lachlan's lawyer, this was the only hope I had for her. He was an Enron prosecutor. So yeah. he really knew. And he took her case, first of all. And to me, she, I, there's no way he was taking her case if it wasn't rock solid, full stop. But I thought, how did they, I mean, how is it even possible that they're, they, that they're going to let this happen? And they did try to stop her from using that lawyer, or at least separate her or and oh, her husband, they? so they couldn't both use that lawyer. Yeah, yeah. I was worried about that. And then if they can separate them out, one of them's going to lose to get the other one to plea, like Tommy Chong did. He wasn't even accused of the crime, but he made a plea because he wanted to keep his wife and ch- his son out of jail. So I thought they were trying to do that, and I still think they were trying to do that. But this guy, so if you, I think people really. It's so crazy. This is uh, the show we did was March 21st, 2019. So it was about a year ago. It's episode 136. You can find it at Propaganda Report at Libsyn uh, or Propaganda Report. Is it forward slash Libsyn? Propagandareport.libsyn.com. Sorry, what? No. I don't know the URL. <laughs> so anyway, you can go get that there. And the reason it's interesting to listen to is. It was all there. We laid it out. We saw right through it. Day one. Anybody, anybody in the media really could have looked at that right. and read those documents. But they didn't. And, they they damned right. her without knowing anything about it. They damned everybody involved. And it, it really does show that they will target people who do not fall in line at all costs. And they will attempt to demonize them. And then once they've demonized them, they will attempt to make an example out of them because they know that the public has no sympathy for someone once they've been demonized. And the public will accept cruel and unusual punishment happening to them. They'll even beg for cruel and unusual punishment to happen. So hopefully in this case, she will prevail. Although even if she does prevail, the reason that she prevails in the media, it will be spun and they will say she only prevailed because she's a privileged white female who has money. And while that did help her, yes, it doesn't change the fact that she was wrongly 
cornered. Well, it hurt her too because she didn't do anything wrong and she was targeted because she was an influencer who came from a perspective that does not support the the preferred narrative. Exactly. And they will welcome Felicity Huffman back. They will not welcome her right. back. And I got Twitter abuse for defending Lori Loughlin and this is what people said and for shame. People said she should, I said, they're, they're giving her, they threw, threw the book at her because she dared to defend her rights. At first she was threatened with 18 months. And as soon as she pled not guilty, they upped it to 40 years. Yeah. They tried to scare That's her. outrageous. That's and I got tweeted and this isn't the first time I've gotten tweeted like this. It said she should be punished for wasting taxpayers money on a trial. She should be punished for that. Yeah, like she should get a worse penalty for not just taking her lumps. I mean, the idea that the government going after you is something that defending yourself against it at her own expense, defending herself against that is something that she should pay double for, pay double for, pay 20 times for or yeah. more is, I mean, that, that's the problem with this country. Uh, good for her. I hope she prevails. If she doesn't prevail, I don't know how she couldn't unless somehow this evidence turned out to oh. be a lie or inadmissible. No, they figure something out to get her to plea bargain. Yeah. That's what it was. I hope be. she does not do that. I hope she continues to fight it, and I hope she prevails. Good for her. I would love to interview her one day if she prevails from this. Yes, I, I would love that. completely smeared, and I hope that she walks away from this and goes back so and does Lifetime movies or whatever she wants. I, that would be great. Should I recap how people can contribute to our last Monica Perez show? Yes. Are we ready for please that? Please do. Okay, so my last show on WSB is going to be Saturday, and we're going to put together a little, uh, little montage uh, from listeners. So if you want to be a part of that, I would love it. I really think it would be a good show to send WSB a lot of uh, good feelings after the many years that People have been listening to my show there. So if you want to leave a message, I would appreciate it at 404-897-7489, or you can use the open mic feature on the WSB radio app. And also, I do think it's important, I would really appreciate it even more than that for sure, much more important, is to sign up for our email list. So go to the uh, thepropreport.com, that other URL was from when I was deplatformed on WordPress, thepropreport.com, you'll see a welcome sign right on the homepage, and underneath that is an emergency email sign up. So we have to try to stay one step ahead. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. I look forward to hearing those calls that you guys leave, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. <laughs>